Los Angeles is burning. Now, what the hell does that have to do with terrorism? Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Yes, you probably know that LA is burning. There are four main fires all over LA, Ventura County surrounding LA. And uh, it actually has a lot to do with terrorism um, because it has made me think about things that uh, I can share with you that um, are, are some lessons that this experience has taught me and I can hopefully teach you. Uh, there are four main fires, as I said. Uh, the Thomas Fire, which is in Ventura. The Skirball Fire, which is essentially mostly in Bel Air. The Creek Fire and the Rye Fire. Now, my house is very near to one of them. So, for the last couple of nights, I have been up uh, watching television, scouring the internet, uh, listening to the radio, uh, just, you know, trying to find out in every way possible whether the fire has moved an inch towards me, towards my home. And, you know, that's a very, it's a very stressful uh, occupation to do all of that. And so people in L.A., including myself, are very stressed out. Now, there's something about having a fire um, come creep close to you that makes you, that changes you, that makes you uh, think about priorities in life. I mean, literally it does because you have to think about what you're going to uh, take out of your home and put in your car in case you have to quickly hightail it out of your home as the fire is at your doorstep. That's one thing. And that's, that in itself is pretty difficult because you know, yes, I mean, you hear what people say, you're supposed to take your papers, your um, ID papers, insurance papers, all kinds of personal papers, the hard drive from your computer, your desktop, um, certainly uh, things that are valuable financially, monetarily valuable, and things that are valuable emotionally, like photos and so on, or pieces of jewelry that were passed down to you. But just that process of like thinking about everything in your house and which are the things that are most important to try to stuff into your car. <laughs> um, that process makes you think about life and death and, and, and having and loss. Um, if I've been watching, of course, we're watching all this television, a lot of what they are showing is uh, people who have lost their homes, people coming back to their homes and picking amongst the rubble for things that, that are valuable to them that they had forgotten to uh, or didn't have time to put in their car. And it is just heartbreaking. Uh, I, I mean, it is, it's almost impossible for me to get my head around that, uh, how I would feel if that happened to me. I mean, it, it's hard to imagine some of these people, or at least the ones that they put on television, they'll say, well, uh, these are just things, and at least uh, my family and I got out safe. But, you know, you don't really hear much about these families after 
these, uh, they have their 15 minutes of fame, you know, being interviewed as the tragedy is happening or soon after it happened. And, and you know, these lives are not all um, peaches and cream. I mean, it, you know, part of the, when they do the interviews, the person is usually in shock when they come back to their home and, and see what it is now. It's hard to believe that, you know, where did their home go and where did all their things go and where did all the things they worked so hard for go? Um, you know, I think about taking, uh, taking my books. I mean, of course they're out there in the world as well, but I think about taking manuscripts that aren't yet out there, you know, projects that I've worked on, all kinds, all kinds of different projects that are in various phases around my house. And I start looking for them. <laughs> where did I put that? Uh, so coming back and, and finding rubble, it, it, it's, just, it's just so defeating. And, you know, on the other hand, of course, there are ways of looking at this and, and thinking of maybe starting a new life and starting could be opening, closing one door, or what was, once was, was a door, uh, and, and opening a new one. But anyhow, again, what does this have to do with terrorism? Well, um, in, this, in this fire... So far, I mean, one of the reasons that it is so scary is because uh, the winds are very unpredictable and out of control. And the fire chiefs and various firefighters have been saying how impossible it is to fight the fires because of the fact that the winds not only are out of control, but they have gotten to heights, um, to, to forces, hurricane forces that are that make it so impossible to get into as a firefighter and try to end the, um, stop the fire. So, so far there have been hundreds of homes that have been lost. They don't have an accurate count yet because, uh, because they haven't been able to get into the areas to, um, to take a, a proper account. And there are thousands of people who have been evacuated, thousands and thousands. So, Last night, um, I, you know, mainly I've been trying to stay in my home wherever possible, whenever possible, so that in case something does uh, come closer and I need to um, grab my animals and, and, you know, last minute things that I had forgotten to put in the car and all of that. Um, and, and I, when there was a fire a few years ago, there was a, well, this is more than a few, like about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, or more, there was a fire near my other home, and that one actually came to right across the street, because I live in sort of countrified areas, which are beautiful, but then you have to put up with fires. Um, and in that, at that time, I, they, there was a mandatory evacuation, but I refused to leave. I know this, I'm not setting a good example, but I refused to leave. And um, I stayed and watered down my house, and uh, fortunately, um, fortunately, you know, there was, it, it, it stopped right, right across the road. There was just a road, <laughs> a country road separating the fire from my house. But anyhow, so yes, I plan to sort of stay here too and, and hose it down, but hopefully it won't come to that. But anyhow, as I was, it got in my car and, um, I drove, uh, to my horseback riding lesson because, you know, that's crucial <laughs> to leave your home to go to a horseback riding lesson. Um, actually, 
Well, I, I, I ride competitively, and so it was that spirit that, and the fact that I hadn't seen my horse in a few days because of the fires and, and other things that I was involved with. Um, and I wanted to make sure he was safe. So anyhow, I got in the car, I started driving from my home, and um, I was listening to the radio, to KNX, which is the 24-7 uh, news station in Los Angeles. And it was from, from all they were talking about, of course, were the fires, were all the different fires in, in and around L.A. And they were blaring dire fire warnings, you know, all of these press conferences and what these uh, firefighters and, were saying and the mayor and all these different people, and none of it was good. And it made me think, here we come to the terrorism part, it made me think how similar this is to terrorism. In other words, um, it's not so far-fetched to think about what if instead of these four fires around LA, what if they were four terrorist attacks? I mean, that is not far-fetched. Certainly, it, uh, you know, it, it does not take much for terrorists to think about having, I mean, we, we've seen this in, in Paris, we saw this already, where they had uh, simultaneous attacks in various parts of the city. So they've, they've figured this out already. And it could just as well have been or be in the future terror attacks um, in four different parts of the city. In other words, stretching the resources, just like the fires are stretching the resources and making it harder for people to survive with fewer resources. So, um, of course, another, another uh, you know, possibility that I have been thinking about for years, and I shudder to think about it now, um, but I've always wondered why terrorists uh, haven't thought about starting fires in a place like Los Angeles. Um, you just, like, for example, you just, you know, even if it was four terrorists setting four fires, and of course, as of now, we don't really know who set these fires or how these fires were set, um, you know, but that would be another way to, to kill people. Um, I know this is a very cheery, we're getting to the cheerier part here. Just hang in there. Um, so, the thing is about being ready. Uh, the media is telling us now in regard to the fires, get ready, get set, go. That's the uh, slogan that is on the radio, in the media all the time. Get ready, get set, go. And what that means is in regard to fires, getting ready is the preparation that you should do before there is any fire anywhere near your home. The get set is things like putting your valuables in your car, uh, pointing your car in the direction of being able to leave the driveway, you know, not have to back up, but to actually get out more quickly, things like that. And then go is um, when you should be ready to go if you're told that you're in a mandatory evacuation area, or they're even suggesting that you leave earlier than that. Now, how many people do you think have gotten ready, set, and ready to go?
Um, I can tell you, not very many. I mean, yes, now there are people, um, you know, I pres presumably there are lots of people who have put stuff in their cars, but I'm talking about before that. How many people have gotten ready, gotten prepared by doing things like, um, you know, taking things, getting things away from around your house that could be, that could attract fire, um, getting rid of brand, dead branches on your trees, uh, cutting down trees that are dead, uh, making sure you don't have trees or plants that are uh, more, that, that fire likes more. There are fire resistant shrubbery and so on that they, um, uh, recommend that you that you uh, get you know there are lots of things that you can do before they even ever announce that there is a fire anywhere near your home so how there aren't many people however who do this why is that uh, there's a lot of resistance because we are in denial we don't want to believe that anything as horrible as a fire could come to our doorstep just like we don't want to believe that anything as horrible as a terror attack could come to our doorstep. Um, it makes us confront our mortality. And that is a very uncomfortable place to be. So, um, now, in some ways, when we prepare for fire, we're more familiar with fire than with terrorism because we may have, um, maybe you have in your home a fireplace, or most likely you may have been at a barbecue, you know, um, did you ever go to camp and roast marshmallows on a fire? I certainly have, uh, or barbecues, or, you know, various places where we have fire in a controlled situation and we enjoy it. We have not had terrorists in a controlled situation, and we have not enjoyed it. So, um, so it's a little more, it's a little harder to sort of get your head around uh, having a terrorist on your doorstep than a fire. But still, the idea of preparing is very similar. Um, now, in some ways, it's easier, or it should be easier, to wrap your head around uh, preparing for a terrorist attack because it is a more gradual threat than uh, suddenly a fire springing up. But terrorism is a more definite threat. It is happening <laughs> and, um, and it is an increasing threat. And just because you don't see it on your doorstep, um, perhaps it's in a country, I mean, certainly it's uh, been on a lot of doorsteps in Western Europe, but in, and it's been on some doorsteps, certainly in America, too. Um, you know, we see, there are, so there are a lot of similarities. We watch television and see pictures of people um, whose homes have burnt down as they're going through the rubble. We feel sorry for them, just like we have been seeing victims of terrorism lying in the streets, and we feel sorry for them. But we, we kind of keep ourselves removed from this until it gets closer and closer. And my, uh, what I want you to think about today is how important it is to start preparing for terrorism before it's on your doorstep. 
Now, we can pretend that our house won't be an unlucky one and a fire will skip over it, but it's harder to pretend that we won't be affected by terrorists or terrorism because we've already been affected. Now, the number one spot where people think about that is when we go through the TSA at airports and we have to take our shoes off. Oh, yes, that's right, there's terrorism because that's when it comes into our consciousness, even though every day there are news reports in one way or another about something related to terrorism. Uh, this, these last couple of days, it's been about how there was an attack uh, on the prime minister in England and they foiled it just in time. So that was one of the latest things. There's also uh, some of the latest news was that in, they've done studies and in the UK, they have arrested more terrorists this year than ever before. So we hear about these things, but what we do is push them into our unconscious mind and pretend that we don't really have to worry about it. Well, the important thing to realize is that um, the sooner we prepare for terrorism, and I'm talking about making yourself stronger physically and psychologically, and I talk about this in my books about terrorism, uh, the sooner we incorporate things into our life. It's not really the same thing. I'm not talking about gathering your stuff together and putting it in your car. I'm talking about changing your way of life, incorporating things into your way of life that make you and your children more resilient. Now, we certainly can't pretend that we're not going to be affected by terrorism because we've already been affected by terrorism, not just the TSA, but uh, since 9-11, all of the studies have shown that there are increases in certain things that I um, can trace back to. I mean, you won't, I say I, because you really won't hear this in the mainstream media because, uh, well, the, ostensibly it's because they don't want to create panic, but really it's because um, they are sort of colluding with us in being in denial about the threat of terrorism. So, for example, since 9-11, there's been an obesity epidemic because we stuff ourselves and our children with comfort food. There's been an increase in drug and alcohol abuse, an increase in the amount of self-harm and suicides, an increase in, ins in insomnia because uh, we stuff these things into our unconscious mind, but they keep us awake at night, even though we may not realize, you know, what, what's waking us up. And then, of course, we also have decreased productivity because we're distracted because our unconscious mind is thinking about the threat of terrorism while our conscious mind is sticking its head <laughs> in the ground and pretending terrorism doesn't exist. So... Um, I started to say last night, uh, even though I, you know, was ambivalent about leaving my home because I wanted to protect it, but as I said, I had a horseback riding lesson, and, um, and as I was jumping over fences in a course in the ring, uh, while the fires were burning out of control, it was quite a surreal experience. I said to my trainer how I felt like I had to memorize each moment of this uh, experience. You know, it was, I mean, I feel glorious on the back of a horse and, and the challenge of jumping all, over all these jumps and so on. And it's, it's just glorious. 
And so I said, I, I have to, I, with each moment that I was in the lesson, I was thinking about this and I finally said this, that I was trying to memorize it each moment because part of me was thinking maybe this is going to be the last time that I have this experience because either the stable is going to be um, caught in a fire or, uh, or my home will be caught in a fire and I'll have other things that I'll have to attend to. Um, you know, it, it makes you realize just how precious certain things, people, experiences are. That's what this is all about, whether it's loading stuff into your car to protect it from a fire or, or having these experiences and recognizing how precious they are. That's what, what is being, was brought home to me. And what I'm trying to explain to you um, gives lessons that you should learn. There are three basic lessons in addition to the specific kinds of things that I talk about in my books that you should do to make yourself more resilient. Um, there are these three basic lessons that you can learn and that became crystal clear to me last night. One is that you should appreciate every moment that you have in your life. Two is you should be grateful for all the moments and the people and the opportunities, all the different things that you have in your life. And the third lesson is to be kind to others because we're all in it together. Whether it's all of Los Angeles being in, uh, surrounded by fires together, or whether it's all of us being threatened by terrorism. Uh, I know last night I was hugging my horse. I didn't want to leave the stable. I was, you know, worried. I didn't wanted to keep protecting him. I wanted to keep remembering what it felt like to feel his neck on my cheek. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm sure you can think of something, if not a horse, <laughs> a person or a, uh, or a different kind of experience, something that you want to hug and don't want to let go and would be devastated if it was let go. So, uh, you know, one of the other things that, that is sort of poignant that I want to talk about is how I mentioned about the people coming back to their homes and how sad that, was, that all was. Imagine if you were a parent or a grandparent and your little ones um, looked up to you in the midst of this, uh, the rubble of your house and, and with those eyes, maybe not saying anything, but certainly thinking, um, why didn't you protect me from this? How did you let this happen? Why weren't we more prepared? Well, that's the same kind of thing that has happened and will happen uh, all the more in regard to terrorism. If you don't prepare, your children and grandchildren and teachers don't prepare their students because their little innocent faces uh, are going to be looking up at us and think, saying without words, why didn't you do something to make me more resilient to this? You knew it was coming. And I'm not just talking about, I'm not just talking about a terrorist attack happening in your living room, like a fire happening in your living room. I'm talking about terrorist attacks, more of them coming to uh, America or wherever it is that you, I know that this, uh, this um, podcast is listened to all over the world. So wherever you live, um, you know, it is likely that you are in a country that has been or will be affected 
by terrorism. And that's really what they are counting on you to do. And that is to, to make them stronger physically and psychologically to be able to, you know, if they're looking around and, uh, and um, their home, so to speak, is in rubbles, I don't necessarily mean literally, but I mean, you know, the country that you live in has been devastated by terrorists and terrorism. Uh, they're going to be asking you that. They're going to be expecting to know why, why didn't you do something earlier on, not when, the, not when the fires are licking at your house, but, you know, a year before. And that's, that's one of the main reasons I wrote uh, the books that I wrote, and particularly my most recent book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. And um, there are things in that book, uh, you know, as, as I've spoken about previously in, in previous podcasts, um, there, the first half of the book is for adults, for grown-ups, for parents, grandparents, teachers, anyone who has or loves kids. Uh, and the, it talks about how you can talk to your kids about terrorism, how you can answer their most frequently asked questions, how you can notice any symptoms in them of being stressed out by hearing about terrorism in the media. And um, more, even more uh, relevant to what I'm talking about today, I give 88 uh, ideas for things you can do as a family or as a class to incorporate building resilience into children, into your normal life. Things like um, going to the 9-11 Museum or things like um, cre doing creative uh, drawings with your children and getting them to express their emotions when, they, when there's something in the news about terrorism. Just, it's 88 places you can go, things you can do at home. It's for all ages. Well, the, the book is primarily for ages 5 to 12, but it's for the whole family as far as all of these different activities and things that you, fun activities, things that you can do um, to get everybody ready so that, so that if, you're, if the fire uh, or the terrorist is at your door, you're not caught by surprise. And in this, also in this book, the second half is a picture book for kids. And uh, the last part, similarly, the last part of that is 10 things that the children can do on their own um, or, you know, with, uh, with parents' help or, you know, really it's mainly, it's mainly things that kids can do on their own, uh, of course, with the, with the um, encouragement of parents or, or teachers. Um, also to build their own resilience, to making them uh, self-reliant and stronger in the face of terrorism. So um, with that, let me uh, give you the websites to go to to find out more information. Um, to find out more information in general about terrorism, um, you can go to my website, which is www.terrorism.com terroristtherapist.com. That's www.terroristtherapist.com. And then the book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror, is wherever books are sold, um, brick and mortar shops, as well as online. And the uh, most direct place to, to find it and to find out more information is my publisher's website, 
which is www.terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. So thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show, and I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist.